2: For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com.
3: And I have grown to know so many dope people through Dinner Date that it made me realize, like that was the first time I realized that I really could live a new dream and be okay about it. Like, I don't have to put myself in this box where I have to stay in education because this is what I've done. This is what I'm good at. Like, I like you can have a new dream, Angel. Go for it, try it, do it.
1: You're listening to Side Hustle Pro, the podcast that teaches you to build and grow your side hustle from passion project to profitable business. And I'm your host, Nikaela matthews Akome. So let's get started. Hey guys, welcome back to the show. So today in the guest chair, we have the oh-so-fly and oh-so-dope Angel Anderson. Angel is the founder and owner of The Spice Suite, an interactive spice bar in the Tacoma Park neighborhood in Northwest Washington, D.C. Angel opened this space in 2015 after only three and a half weeks of planning and dreaming. Amazing. Now, the Spice Suite is not only a store that sells fragrant spices, but also serves as an incubator for fellow dreamers. That's right, Angel provides the space to showcase other local female business owners, free of charge, mind you. So, on any given day, you can indulge in tantalizing spices, infused oils, sample shea butter, try on vintage threads, and treat yourself to culinary delights in this hip, quaint, and comfortable atmosphere. The aesthetics and energy of the Spice Sweet mirror Angel's own home. Welcoming, engaging, and just overall fun. So it's no surprise that this interview with Angel put me right at ease. Let's get right into it. So welcome to the guest chair, Angel. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to have you. So in your own words, who is Angel Anderson and what does she do? That's such a difficult
3: question because I feel like I keep reinventing myself. Like who I am now as a Spice Girl, it's so different than who I was and who I thought I'd be. Like I thought I would forever be an educator and that's always how I've defined myself. But for right now, today, I'm a Spice Girl um, and I am loving it and
1: I'm free and I'm happy. I love that. You call yourself a spice girl. Yes. (laughs) We're going to get into all you do with the spice suite in a bit, but um, tell us a little bit more about your background. So you grew up in D.C., right?
3: Yes, I am a native Washingtonian, grew up here, went to D.C. public schools, stayed here and went to Howard University. And I have my whole life prior to opening this space have worked with young people. I've been a um, teacher, a counselor, a dean. And before I opened the store, I was an assistant principal. So I have always been immersed in all things um, youth related. I love, love, love working with kind of difficult kids. I don't have any interest in working with good kids. (laughs) Even still, um, in my time when I volunteer, I prefer the difficult kids because those are the ones that folks shy away from. And I tend to run toward difficulty and try to impact some sort of change.
1: You have such an interesting story into entrepreneurship. And I'm wondering, you know, how did your upbringing influence this entrepreneurial fire at all?
3: I don't know. I think because my journey into entrepreneurship was so untraditional. It was so unexpected. I have never sat to think about, you know, how I got here or what impacted, you know, my decisions to get here. I do know that I have always been a girl who loved to be free. I've always enjoyed wearing whatever I wanted to wear. I wanted to try new things. I've always wanted to travel the world. I've just never been in position to do all of those things. And the Spice Suite has allowed me to finally be in a place where I can wear sequins on a Wednesday and nobody (laughs) looks at me like I'm crazy and I can travel the world and nobody wonders why or how because it all makes sense now.
1: Now, I was reading an article in the Washington Post about you just about, you know, the challenges that you experienced growing up and, you know, some of the ways that has shaped how you think about developing this space. Sure.
3: So can you talk a little bit about that? So I grew up in D.C., uh, raised by my grandmother. My um, parents weren't really around um, as a kid. My brothers and I were amongst several people in the house growing up. There were at least, I think at one point, maybe 12, if not more than that of us um, in the house. So I was basically the only girl. I had a cousin who lived with us for quite some time, but I was like the only girl in the house. So my grandmother always kind of imparted this very traditional, archaic um, <laughs> sense of being domestic where, you know, women, we cook and we kind of take care of the guys in the house. I always assume this kind of nurturing, maternal kind of domestic role. And I hated it as a kid. I thought it was so ridiculous. Like, why do I have to make their plates? They can get up and make their own plates. And now it is so much who I am. Like I cook, I make my husband's plate and I just find it to be kind of commonplace for me. I don't see it as this like weird, untraditional thing. It is just very much a part of like who I am
1: now. That is so interesting. I'm glad you mentioned that because I didn't really connect those dots from reading the article, but it seems like, you know, from what you're saying, the, the person you are as, I kind of think of you as a hostess with the mostest as well. <laughs> Not only are a Spice Girl. I'll take that. Yeah, but the dinner date um, company, which we'll get into in a little bit and all of that stem from that experience, wow. So, you know, you go to DC public schools, then you end up going into the education path. How long were you on that path? Like how many years did you spend as an educator?
3: I was an educator for 11 years in different capacities um, as a teacher, a dean, a counselor. Um, I worked in youth violence prevention. I've run GED programs. At one point, my friend and I even tried to start our own charter school. So I was like a champion for kids. And I still am, um, just not full time. So that's why it like blows my mind that I am not in education. Even still, I pinch myself because it is so surreal that I am no longer working with young people every day.
1: So when did the switch happen? When did you start to explore this idea of developing your own company and what was that first company?
3: So the first company was, outside of youth, was Dinner Date. And that was just like a super random, like my life, super random idea. Um, I started to cook and cook a little bit more. Once I had my son, I did not want to expose him to like fast food and like, you know, just nasty, gross food. So I said, you know what? I'm going to be like super mom. You know, your first kid, you just feel like you can do everything. So I'm like, I'm going to make his baby food. I'm going to make good dinners at night. And then I was like, I want to learn how to make these meals pretty. So I started trying to like play around with plating my food and making it cute. And then I, you know, this is when Instagram was, you know, first coming around. So I started to take pictures of it. And my best friend was like, you should do this for people. Like your food is good. You should cook for people. And I'm like, nobody's going to pay me to cook, to cook, girl. I'm not even a chef. <laughs> um, and she's like, but people will pay you to do it. Like if the, if the food is good, it doesn't matter. And I'm like, mm, I don't know. So fast forward maybe a couple months and she we revisit this idea. And so I'm like, okay, help me think of a name for it, and so we go back and forth, come up with the name Dinner Date, and so I just started putting it out there on social media that I'll come in and cook for people. I knew I never wanted to cater, like I think that's crazy to cook for like fifty, hundred people. <laughs> I, I, I don't have the patience for that, and that is not my lane. So I said I would like to do something intimate. I believe in all things sexy, so like coming in and preparing dinner for a couple. You know, maybe they finally got a babysitter. Or the kid can be upstairs sleep and they can just come downstairs and get dressed up for dinner. And I started to do that. And one customer or one client led to another client. And before I knew it, I had like a whole business and it was kind of insane.
1: That is amazing. Um, first of all, the idea just sounds amazing. And then how long did you do that? What year was it when you came up with the idea and how long were you running it? Was it really profitable or was it just more something where you enjoyed it and you were able to cover the bills?
3: Yeah, it was just something like I would do it on the side whenever I had time. You know, I was still working full time, of course. So this was just like, okay, I'm not too busy next weekend. I can come and cook for you guys next weekend. I didn't have a set schedule. It was really just super random. If somebody happened to hit me up and I was free that weekend and not too tired, then I would go in and do it. And once I got into these people's homes and in their kitchens, I just felt so good. Like I felt like this is where I'm supposed to be. Like, I love this. I love meeting people. people. I love, I love talking, love talking to people. And then my guests would allow me to be creative. Like they weren't putting me in this box. I thought that if I went on to do this, that I would have to be in this box. I would have to like adopt some formal training. I would have to have a set menu and things would have to be almost perfect because I'm thinking if folks are paying me to do this, this needs to be like a restaurant experience. And nobody has expected that from me. Folks have just kind of gone along with me on this journey and allowed me to create these fun menus. Sometimes on the fly, they'll say, come in, cook. I don't care what you make. And I do it. And we just have fun and we vibe. And I have grown to know so many dope people through Dinner Date that it made me realize, like that was the first time I realized that I really could live a new dream and be okay about it. Like, I don't have to put myself in this box where I have to stay in education because this is what I've done. This is what I'm good at. Like, I like, you can have a new dream, Angel. Go for it. Try it. Do it.
1: Yes. You can have a new dream. (laughs) Yeah. You were enjoying education, right? So when did you decide to start exploring this idea of the spice suite and full-time entrepreneurship?
3: So the Spice Suite came about, I think random is like the keyword for today because <laughs> the Spice Suite was also just random. Um, I was leaving the nail salon a couple doors down from na- the Spice Suite and I saw a four lease sign. I had never inquired about a commercial property ever in life. I never had any plan for it, no budget, no business plan. And I happened to call to inquire about the pricing and the landlord started asking me all these questions. And I'm like, oh no, sir, you must have the wrong person. I'm not this prepared. Like, I don't have answers to any of these questions. I really just wanted to know how much it costs. And he was like, well, what are you going to do with it? And I was like, oh, I don't know. I thought it was like an apartment. You see for a for lease on, you call, they tell you the price. You either want it or you don't. <laughs> I didn't know I needed to have all this stuff done beforehand. So the landlord said, before we got off the phone, he said, well, you know, you work out your details and you let me know because we're looking to make a decision in a couple of days. And I was like, OK, 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 I got it. I'm going to open a spice shop. And he was like, okay. And he told me the price. And I'm like, yo, that was dope. So I called my husband. I called my best friend. And I'm like, yo, I'm going to open a spice shop. And they, of course, were like, where the heck did that idea come from? You've never said that before. And I was like, I know. But I just told the guy I called about a property. And my husband's like, wait, you called about what property? Like, he's just so confused. Like, I don't even understand how we got to you calling about properties. And we've never even talked about this dream you had. And so I told him I wanted to do it. Three days later, I went to see the space. Three and a half weeks later, I opened the Spice Suite. A month and a half later, I left my job as an assistant principal. That was two and a half years ago.
1: (laughs) 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 Crazy, right? (laughs) This is all crazy. Well, first of all, you know you weren't even thinking about investing in this property. Like this is commercial real estate in DC. Was it, was it just like you'd been saving for a while? You had money to blow? Like how does this all work that you are just in the position on a whim to purchase a commercial?
3: I had, I mean, I've always saved, right? I'm a definitely self-proclaimed shopaholic. I love to (laughs) shop, but I also believe in saving and I always had like a safety net. So I do tell people that like while I jumped out there and there was this like super crazy random idea... I started investing in real estate about 10 years ago. So I own two investment properties in D.C. that I randomly got into. So that has always been like in the back of my mind a safety net. Like if all else fails, let's just hope your tenants don't act crazy and they pay their rent on time. Like I'll have, you know, a little something that I could live off of if I absolutely needed to. So that was always, you know, kind of in the back of my mind. But I think when I was going through this process with the Spice Suite, I was just I wasn't thinking like I got excited. I'm super impulsive so I'm the friend that you call with an idea and I'm like let's do it now what are you doing I'm on my way like there's no point in waiting like let's just get it going I don't understand like waiting for things and I don't know if it's because I'm like spoiled or what it is but I just really believe that like if there's something you want to do that you should just do it now um and so that's exactly what I did with the spice suite I just did it And I'm so grateful that I just did it and that I didn't think about it because I don't think that this space would have come about the way that it has had I had a plan. Like, I don't think I could have planned this.
1: So even though you didn't have a plan, have you been in spice shops and you kind of had something in the back of your mind of what kind of experience you wanted to create?
3: No. (laughs) I did not. So I had not, I think I'd been in a spice shop once, but it wasn't a store that I frequented. I had no idea what I was doing. I didn't know where to get the bottles. I didn't know where I was going to get the spices. I didn't know anything. Like I was completely a fish out of water. I didn't know what to do. When I opened this store, I might have had 10 spices on the shelves, (laughs) And now I am fighting for shelf space in my own store. Like I barely have space to put the spices because I have so many things on the shelves. Um, And over time, I think the thing that helped me the most was that when I first opened up, there was this like burst of momentum and energy because, you know, people heard about it. My friends and family were excited to come and support me, but then that died down and it was like super slow. And while it was slow, it gave me time to like really sit and think like, what the heck are you doing? Like what, how are you going to make this sustainable long-term? You can't go back to your same job. It's the middle of the school year. So if you're going to go back to education, then you have, you know, you have to wait until the next school year. Like there's no jobs in administration in October. You have to wait. Everyone's been hired. So that was what kind of pushed me to start thinking and planning. And I'm like, Angel, you can do this. You love to cook, put things together. And I started thinking, like, I want to make this, like, my closet. Like, I will wake up in the morning and wear sequins and cheetah print or put things together that don't necessarily go. And that's exactly how I wanted folks to think about their food. Like, I wanted to combine grapefruit and lavender and make a seesaw or Merlot seesaw. And some of the fun, like, funky things that we have in the store that folks would never think to combine, I wanted to bring that part of my personality into the store and into folks' food.
1: Now, what were some of those first steps? you mentioned that you didn't know how to bottle, where to get the spices, mm-hmm. and this isn't just an ordinary spice shop, you guys. Like, you're not going here to get your cayenne pepper. Like. No. <laughs> <laughs> you're going there to have fun, like you put it. So, yeah, how did you start to make this into a real business with real product? And I've heard you travel up to eight times a year, so when did you figure out how to source these items?
3: So initially didn't know what to do. I was just like trying to figure out like what made sense. So I started playing around at home in my kitchen, blending up spices and tasting them and figuring like, okay, this tastes good. I can bottle this. Let me think of a fun name for it. And then things just started to organically come together. Like someone reached out to me and this person produced honey. And they wanted to know if there was any way. She was like, I just heard about your business and I don't know what I can do for you, but I produce honey. So if ever you decide to sell honey in your store, you know, I like to supply it. And I'm like, "Hmm, that's a cool idea, but I don't want to sell plain honey. Like you can go to the grocery store for honey. So then I started researching and trying to teach myself how to infuse honey. So now we do flavored honeys in the store. And then folks will come in and customers drove part of this process because folks will come in and they'd say, do you have anything for myself? I'm like, no, I don't actually. But maybe I should start thinking about balsamics and infusing olive oils. So I would think about all the things you would need in your kitchen and how I could kick it up a notch and make it fun and make it a flavor that you had to come to the spice suite to experience.
1: I love that you said your customers drove the experience. Like you really spent time listening to people before you filled up your shop with things people didn't want. (laughs) Yeah,
3: for sure. Like I think that my background in education had helped me in terms of understanding the importance of utilizing data. Like that is my whole, you know, that's your whole world in education as an administrator is looking at test scores and attendance and, you know, discipline and all the different sets of data. So when I got to the spice suite after a few months, when I was like really confused, I was like, Angel, go back to what you know, data, ask your customers questions, do some more research, like figure this thing out. You are not about to give up on this. I love that. And I did it.
1: Yeah. Now, OK, so you are getting clues and or straight out, you know, requests from your customers and you're deciding to bottle this all up. Are you still a team of one at this point? Are you literally pouring spices by hand into bottles and doing it yourself? I still am.
3: <laughs> so I have a team, but my team does not. Um, they don't work in that way. So I still am the one who blends all the spices. I am the one who sources them. I bottle them. The Spice Girls, when they're here, they help with things like labeling and, you know, putting them on the shelves. But I still do all of the behind the scenes work. I still infuse everything by hand. It's still small batch. So we're, we're still very much like a small business. And that I still love about it. Like I love being able to still be hands on with the product. I don't know that I'll ever really want to turn that part over to anyone.
1: What about your mini shop online? How do you determine what will go online and and what you can ship?
3: Oh, my gosh. That is just a result of me being cyber (laughs) Like I joke all the time (laughs) to the Spice Girl that I think my Instagram followers cyber-bully me. Like, I do not have plans. Like, I called it a mini store because in my mind, I was like, I'll just put maybe, like, my top 10 products online. And then I'll post something just to let folks who are in the area know, like, this is our new product. We have this in this week. And then I get all these DMs and comments, like, can I get it online? And I'm like, no, this is only available in store. And then the comments weren't so nice. And I was like, okay, okay, okay. I'll put this one one online. And before I knew it, my mini store is becoming like a mega store. So I need to probably rename it. But that I still run. I still um, put the products online. I fulfill all the orders. I ship them. I'm the one who corresponds. If you email or DM me, it is me. I'm responding to all of that.
1: You know what I'm really amazed by, Angel, is that you're talking about all of this and You know, it sounds so easy and nonchalant, like, but you completely taught yourself an entirely new business. And I'm still trying to figure out, like, when you figured out, you know, which bottles to use and, you know, which supplier and (laughs) distributor.
2: It took me
3: trial and error. Like, these bottles that I use now are Mm -hmm. the third. This is my third iteration. Like, I didn't know what I was doing Um, I was trying different bottles. One bottle was too small. One bottle, the company that shipped them to me, they were awesome, but it took about two weeks. The lead time was two weeks to get here and business was starting to pick up and that was too long. And so I finally switched to these bottles and something, I just wanted something sweet and sexy. Like I wanted something that was just like really easy, um, that fit most people's decor in case they wanted to sit these on their countertop or in their drawers. Um, And I finally landed on these. But this process for me has really been about trying things and being okay with trying things publicly because it is difficult to post something. And then a few months later, folks are like, wait, didn't you used to sell the barbecue sauce and mason jars like these aren't the same jars? And, you know, I'm okay with saying like, oh, yeah, I don't. Those were too expensive. I was wasting money. I had to switch jars like I don't feel ashamed when I have to admit my mistakes to my customers, you know, like that because I do. There are times when they come in looking for something and I'm like, oh yeah, I don't have those anymore. I couldn't afford to keep selling that. Yes. My profit margin was too small. Mm. And that's the thing that I'm learning. And my customers, for the most part, they're like, oh, okay, cool. Like we get it. And maybe they don't exactly get it, but because I'm transparent about it, they are understanding and they just like, okay, we're going with you. Like wherever you go on this journey, we're going with you. You want to try something new, we'll, we'll
1: try it. I'm down. <laughs> Hey guys, it's Michaela here with a quick word from our sponsors. Okay, I have a side hustle hack for all to hear, and it's called Skillshare. You wanna know how I grow as a businesswoman? I keep learning. There's not a week that goes by that I'm not checking out a refresher class or a deep dive tutorial, and my go-to is Skillshare. Skillshare is an online learning platform with over 18,000 classes in business, marketing, entrepreneurship, you name it. So whether you're trying to start a side hustle or scale your business, Skillshare is there to keep you learning and thriving. In the last month alone, I've learned how to set up my email capture landing page on Squarespace and how to boost my email marketing using MailChimp, all through Skillshare. And now, Skillshare has a special offer just for my listeners. Get two months of Skillshare for just ninety-nine cents. That's right, just ninety-nine cents. To sign up, go to Skillshare.com/hustlepro. Again, go to Skillshare.com/hustlepro to start your two months now. As side hustlers, we're in the business of turning our ideas into value. The thing is, we need time to cultivate fresh ideas, which is exactly where our sponsor, FreshBooks, can help. FreshBooks makes cloud accounting software for creative professionals that's so straightforward to use. You'll save hours every week and have more time to let your creativity flourish. If that's not enough incentive, the FreshBooks platform has been rebuilt from the ground up. They've taken simplicity and speed to an entirely new level and added powerful new features. I can't cover them all, but sending a branded invoice in under 30 seconds and enabling online payments in two clicks is a good place to start. There's also a new projects feature where you can invite employees or contractors to collaborate and easily share information, files, and updates. If you're listening to this and not using FreshBooks yet, now would be the time to try it. FreshBooks is offering an unrestricted 30-day free trial for all my listeners, no credit card required. All you have to do is go to freshbooks.com slash side hustle pro and enter side hustle pro in the how did you hear about us section love that you touched on those two very important things. The first thing is getting started. Like I hear from a lot of side hustlers and new entrepreneurs who they'll get stuck because they're like, well, I don't want to launch yet because I want my thing to look like that. And they're looking at a product that's been around for like, for example, Lisa Price. I remember when I was ordering Carol's daughter to my dorm room and it was in like this little plastic thing with one (laughs) of those handmade labels. So for an entrepreneur to say, I want my product to look like that is so just ill-informed, like get started now.
3: Yeah. And I think part of that, like a lot of folks who, a lot of entrepreneurs who say things like that, I don't think they really believe that they need to wait until it looks like that. That is what they tell themselves to buy time because it makes them feel better about not acting on their dreams yet, because they're like, no, I, I, there's five reasons why I haven't started yet. As opposed to just saying I did it. And I know it's not exactly what I want it to be, but I'm okay with that exactly. because the world will adjust. Yep. I tell the spice girls all the time, tweak your products as often as you need to tweak them. Your customers will adjust. If they're your customers, if that's your tribe, they are going to ride with you and you have to trust
1: that. Amen. I love that. And the second thing I was going to say was just the profit margin piece like that is that's real deal when you're selling something like how do you keep your costs low so that you can actually make a profit and you know, the most profit that you can make and not just, you know, have some glossy high end glasses just for show when really that's eating at your profit.
3: Yeah, for sure. And those are things that I just, you know, learned the hard way. I probably spent the first year wasting money um, and just like trying to figure it out. And now I'm in a space where this store is extremely profitable. um, And I look at my data and my numbers for the month, even in terms of just like customers. Like, you know, in a month, I average about 350 customers. And we're only open Wednesday through Sunday.
1: That's amazing. So let's talk about this customer piece. Now, how did you know who your target audience was? Was like beyond your family and friends. When you initially started out, you had to zero in. Who is the person that wants these eclectic spices?
3: I figured that my customer will be black people, one. Um, because I've always been very clear about that. I think that after I started to do, once I got into this and I started to do some research, I realized that there are other spice stores, but those spice stores are owned by families. Like they're big family owned companies and they are not owned by people who look like me. And the experience in those stores are very different. Like since opening this store, I've gone into other spice stores and the vibe is just way different. There's no music, there's nowhere to sit. There's no one really talking to you about like your sand. And how you can really elevate your salmon. They're just telling you, like, this is what you could put on your food, but they're not telling you exactly how dope it is and how great it'll make it taste. And I wanted to create a different type of experience here. I wanted to share this space. And for me, sharing this space also meant that I wanted to include the pop up shops, which has become like a huge part of the spice suite and what we have become known for. And I think the legacy that I'll leave will be so much attached to the other businesses that I've supported and I'm just like grateful for it all
1: so how did you start attracting them because that foot traffic is a big deal now um, I know the area you are in is it it does get foot traffic just with the overall things that are in the neighborhood but how did you start really letting people know like hey this is what's going on in this space
3: yeah. So social media, I think, was my best friend. Um, I don't know what I would have done had it not been for Instagram because it's like it's free. Right. So you can just post pictures and folks start to see it and they share it. And it started out really slow, like everybody else. I think, you know, just like not a ton of followers, just posting things and hoping that folks see it. And then I started to incorporate a bit more of me into the space. At first, I was just posting about the store. I wasn't really posting pictures of myself. I wasn't posting this cooking videos. And when I started to do that, I noticed that my customer base changed. Like, once people started to see that, like, there's this girl that's pretty young and looks like she's not this, like, Susie homemaker type and (laughs) she can cook, I think it, like, made people kind of interested, like, okay, like, let me get into this a little bit. Let me see what's going on. Um so I started to just share a little bit more. I would share a bit about my son. I would share a bit about like what we're cooking tonight. And then I remember I posted a cooking video. And I got, like, all these new followers and likes, and I was like, oh, my gosh, I got to do it. Like, I got to stay with this. Like, people like this. This is what they want to see. And I started getting such a warm reception. Folks were sending me messages and saying, like, this is what we want. Like, I enjoyed watching you use the product because what I didn't connect is if I'm trying to sell someone, like, a grapefruit lavender sea salt and they don't see it being applied and used, then there's a disconnect. So I had to train, almost, like, train my customer on how to use the product. And because I didn't know what I was doing, I never even thought about that. Like, oh, right. I guess they would need to see what I'm putting it on and see how that looks and see, you know, and hear my son tasting it and giving a review on how, you know, how good it is. And now they can trust it. It helped me to build trust from my customers.
1: That's so interesting. And you're absolutely right about that in terms of showing more of yourself and also helping people to connect with the brand and and just Learn how to use the product is so critical. You've also done, you mentioned this, the pop-up shops. Talk to us a little bit more about that and how you've weaved other small businesses into your business and how that's helping everyone.
3: Yeah, so maybe two months into the Spice Suite, I started to look around because the space is like it's not huge, but there is definitely unutilized space in here, like the whole wall, you know, of spices and maybe another portion of the store where the balsamics are. But I have like couches and chairs and tables just because I love design and I like for spaces to feel cozy and um, comfy. I tell folks that this kind of feels like a black Starbucks. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And so because I had these tables and things in here, I had no idea what I was going to do with them. I just had them in here kind of to fill up space and it added to the vibe and the decor, I was like, people could come in here and kind of set up their products on these tables and they could be selling things here while I'm in here. And that would also help bring more people into the store. People that weren't necessarily thinking about spices, they're just coming in here to support their friend. So I started putting out out on Instagram that I would allow small business owners with a handmade or uniquely sourced product to pop up here. And I got a, a, a pretty good amount of interest, like folks reaching out saying, sure, I'd like to pop up. And then they were asking me how much would it cost? And I'm like, it's free. Like it never even dawned on me to charge someone to come. I'm like, I have the space. I'm just giving you a couple little tables over here. Like, why would I charge you for that? And people were like, mind blown. Like, what do you mean? It's free. Like we pay for tables to vend at events all the time. Why aren't you charging? And I was like, because I just want to share space with you. Like I want to share space, energy exchange. We can share customers. We can all benefit. Like I believe in cooperative economics and this is how I make that work in real life. So I started to um, allow folks to come in and pop up. And before I knew it, I was having folks pop up all the time, like the calendar was getting crazy. And so, the in 2016, I opened 2015. In 2016, I posted on Instagram, I think that maybe around New Year's Eve, that my goal for 2016 was to fill my entire calendar with pop-up shops every weekend. I was only doing doing them on Sundays. I achieved that goal. I had a a new business owner in here every Sunday. 2017, I said, you know what, there's so much interest, I'm gonna open up my full calendar to pop-up shops. So now every single day that we're open, we allow folks to pop up here. So we have had over 200 small businesses pop up at the Spice
1: Suite. In addition to the pop-ups, you know, what's the biggest thing that has changed in your business since you first got started?
3: Uh, The Spice Girls, (laughs) for sure, the Spice Girls. Um, And that kind of grew out of the pop-up shop idea. I had the folks coming in to pop up and I was getting tired. Like I was getting burnt out. I was in here by myself still. And I was just like, I need some time off. But now business is starting to pick up. I was like, it's finally starting to pick up. I'm starting to, you know, make the money I think I need to make. I can't decide to close down, but I can't afford to pay anyone either. So there were some folks who would come and pop up and there was one girl. She popped up and I'm like, okay, you want to pop up again next week? And she's like, sure, I can do it. I'm always free. You know, my Saturdays are pretty free. And I was like, cool. So she came back that week and I said, hey, do you want to pop up again? And she was like, yeah, because she practically sold out of her products. So I was like, how about the next time you pop up? I don't have to be here. And she was like, sure, just show me how to work the register. Like, I love being here. And I'm thinking like, wow, I think people would do that. I wonder if people would do that. So I started to put that idea out there. And before I knew it, I had so many women. They happened to all be women. We were open to guys, but now we just have Spice Girls. um, (laughs) (laughs) Who would reach out to me about popping up. And when I vibed with them and the energy was right and their products were cool. And I thought that they were a good, like, I don't know, almost replacement for me in the space in terms of energy and knowledge about the product, I offer them a spot to be a Spice Girl. And what that meant for them is they get a regular space to pop up. So now instead of selling their products just online or on Instagram, their customers know every first Friday of the month, they can catch them here at the Spice Suite. So you're not trying to track down your favorite person throughout the city at all these different vending events. And they loved it. And now they've become a tribe of 20 women Who I love and adore so much and attribute so much of my freedom and love for this entrepreneurial journey to because they've allowed me the space to be a mom, a wife and a business owner. Because for that first maybe year, I felt like I was just a business owner. Like I couldn't even commit to anything else fully. And now I can be my whole self.
0: Wow.
1: Position your business to capitalize on opportunity in a moment's notice. Visit bankofamerica.com slash banking for business to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America, N.A., copyright 2024. It sounds like you have really tapped into how to create this dedicated and hardworking team squad of Spice Girls, what do you think is the single most important factor for other business owners who are trying to build out a team? I think it's
3: knowing exactly what you need first. Like I knew that I needed time. I knew that that was my ask, right? When I went to these women, I know I was asking them for time. And in terms of like finding them and narrowing it down, that kind of came from my background again in education. Like as an administrator, I was responsible for hiring and firing. Like I was on a part of the team who hired teachers um, and evaluated them and whether they were a good fit for the school and the classroom. So when I got into this space and it was time to, you know, quote unquote, hire these Spice Girls, I very much kind of went through that. A similar process, just gauging their energy, their product, looking at their packaging and understanding that they don't need to be experts in any of these areas yet because I wanted a group of women I could grow with, but I wanted to see the love and attention and time that they put into it to know that they could also put that into my store when I'm not here. So it was really just like a labor of love, even trying to curate this group of women. And now I invest so much in them. Like we meet monthly and we have like a professional development at my house where I cook for them and I bring folks in to talk to them about branding and marketing and social media. And we have conversations about law. One of the Spice Girls is an attorney. Some of them are teachers. They have PhDs. There's so much range and experience. And that was something else that I knew I wanted to build within the group. So not just making sure that their products were diverse, but making sure that they were a diverse group of women so that we were each other's go-to for any resource. So when we have a question, we always come to the group first, and then we seek help from outside if we can't find it in the
1: group. That is amazing. Now you're going to have people after this episode trying to join the Spice Girls. (laughs) Oh my
3: gosh. (laughs) That always happens. There are so many requests for Spice Girls. And the issue now is that our calendar is pretty booked. Like We don't have enough space to add a Spice Girl. But what we did do this year, in January, we added Wednesdays. Last year, we weren't open on Wednesdays. So that's another thing I've constantly been tweaking, even my store days and hours, trying to figure out what works. I know I didn't want to be open. I'll never be open seven days a week. I've committed to that um, because I believe in balance. I believe in work-life balance. I believe in Um, just having freedom and I need that to be, I need to be closed a couple of days a week to allow that to happen. But what I have considered is opening longer on Wednesdays and on the weekends because Wednesdays right now, we call them happy hours. We're just open from five to eight to catch that after work crowd. So if folks are interested, Whenever we announce that our hours are changing, we will absolutely be looking for more Spice Girls, but they can always pop up in the meantime because that's the introduction to being a Spice Girl anyway. You have to pop up with us first. Um, And at this point, whoever you pop up with, we all kind of give feedback. So if you popped up with Zen in the Jar or with Selena or Angela, I'd ask them, like, how do you think she fit in the group? Like, what did you feel about her? Was she vibing with people? How did she greet the customers? Um, How was her energy? That sort of thing. And then we kind of make a group decision.
1: Okay, so, you know, we talked a little bit about the bottling process, but what else went wrong along the way and how did you overcome it?
3: Yeah. So the first thing that went wrong was my store hours. (laughs) When I first left, um, I have a son. So I made my store hours Monday through Friday, nine to three. Which in my mind, I'm like, this is perfect because I can drop my son off, you know, and then I can pick him up from school. I'm just gonna be here during school hours. And I'm like, Angel, that's stupid because people are also at work. (laughs) So, you know, I'm like, you know, trying to figure out why people aren't coming in the door and why it's not picking up the way I thought it should. And it honestly just really didn't dawn on me. Like people are at work. This is why they can't come in here right now. So I had to change my store hours because that was a huge mistake. Um, But I was just trying to like maintain some freedom and be and not overextend myself. But I also recognize that this is a totally different lane that I'm in and I need to yield to my customers and do, you know, and sometimes I need to do what they need me to do and not what works best for me all the time so that went terribly wrong um the store hours and then with the pop-up shops I initially just allow anybody to pop up. Like it didn't matter who you were um, or what your product was. And then I realized that I have folks trying to pop up with um, sex toys and edibles (laughs) and things that were like super religious. And I'm like, I'm trying to create a safe space for my customers. So I need to build some parameters. You know, I just cast this really wide net at first. And I wasn't thinking about like people coming to me with these odd (laughs) businesses But then when it started to happen, it forced me to kind of sit and write some things down because I wasn't really writing anything down. I was going with the flow and I realized that I do need to sit and think about what I'm doing. I can't run this entire business on a whim. Like I have to plan some parts of it, even if I'm planning it after the fact.
1: Speaking of that now, how do you continue to financially sustain yourself given how unpredictable entrepreneurship can be?
3: So I've been grateful that the store, even when it was slow, I've never had a month in the red. Like the store has always been, um, I've always made some sort of profit from the store. Um, But I think for me, what has helped me, because that is always a fear, right? Like this month was a really great month, but next month, what if it gets slow? Or, you know, it's winter time. What if we get some snow days on a weekend and we have to shut down for a weekend? What does that look like? So I'm always thinking about other ways to um, get some sort of income. So those are, that also helped me to add more products to the online store. So that way I can you know, attract some of those folks who aren't in DC, but they can shop anyway. Saving is something that is a huge thing for me still. It's the thing that helped me to even be in position to get into the spice suite. And it's something that helps me now. Like I still save 20% of the income. I move it to a savings account and it's kind of like my rainy day fund for the store and reassessing my products. So there are some things like cutting boards. I had these really cool cutting boards that I was really excited to bring into the store, but they were so expensive and they're heavy. So shipping them was expensive. So there's certain things I've just had to cut back. Like even now in a space where the store does well, I still need to make like smart financial decisions and not just splurge because I have a little bit of money in the
1: bank. It's great that you recognize that and are already thinking that out. Do you see yourself expanding? What's next for Spice Sweet?
3: I do not see myself expanding ever in terms of more stores. Um, I think that the Spice Sweet will always be a single standalone store. When I open, maybe. A couple months into opening, I visited um, a spice shop in Puerto Rico. One of my um, spice trips was to visit this spice shop there because I did a little research and the lady who owned this spice shop, she has been there at the time, she was there for about 26 years and she was the only spice shop in Puerto Rico. And I really wanted to meet her because I just thought that was super cool that like she's the only one, she's been around so long and she wasn't 90, like she wasn't, you know, an old lady. And I went and I spoke with her and before I left, I showed her pictures at the store and talked to her about what I wanted to do. And I asked her, why hadn't she opened another store? And she said, but why do I need to? And I was like, um, I, I really couldn't think of an answer. Like, I, I was like, I don't know. I think, you know, when people get successful, they just, you know, that's the next step. The next step is to do is to replicate it, to open more of them. And when she asked me that question, I thought about it the whole plane ride back. And I was just thinking, like, I need to rethink the way I define success, because I think we quantify it, right? Like you're successful because you have this many stores, because you, you know, and that is not the true mark of success. Like I want to be successful here in this one store because I've supported 500 more small businesses because my revenue has increased by x percentage because I have this many more new customers and I don't need another location to be able to achieve the level of success that makes me comfortable.
1: Amen. Alrighty. (laughs) So now we're going to transition to the lightning round, which is basically when I ask a series of questions and you answer the first thing that comes to mind. Are you ready? Got it. Alrighty. Number one, what's a resource that has helped you in your business that you can share with the Side Hustle Pro audience?
3: A resource that has helped me has been other business owners. Like I tend to turn to other business owners before I Google.
1: All right. Number two, what's been the best business book or podcast episode that you've consumed this year?
3: The best business book that I've read is not necessarily a business book, but it's a book I read in education and I wanted to come back to it as a business owner. Um, It's called Leverage Leadership. And I needed to reread that book now that I'm kind of leading this tribe of Spice Girls and trying to lead this business in a different direction.
1: Number three, which Black woman entrepreneur inspires you and why?
3: Oh, wow. That one's hard to choose one. I know, right? You have all the Spice Girls. But, I know. Um, and that's why I'm like, it's. I'm really inspired by the women who sit alongside me on this journey. Like, can I just call them one? The Spice Girls is one yes.
1: girl. <laughs> <laughs> okay, number four. What's a daily practice that you use to start your day on the right note? Uh, meditation, easily. And then finally, number five, what is your parting advice for fellow women entrepreneurs who want to be their own boss, but are worried about losing that steady paycheck?
3: You can't be scared to live a new dream. Sometimes you won't live it until you free yourself up from fear and doubt and failure.
1: I love that. Alrighty, Angel. So what's the best way that we can connect with you after this episode? So the best way
3: to connect with me is Instagram. Um, I'm pretty active there. I respond to things pretty quickly. Um, if you have questions, uh, you can catch me at the Spice Suite on Instagram. And you're always welcome, if you're local, to come in and shop with us. We're open Wednesday through Sunday.
1: All righty, guys. Thank you so much for joining us in the guest chair today, Angel. It's been a real treat having you here.
3: I'm grateful. Thank you so much for inviting me.
1: Thank you. All right. And there you have it. This episode was brought to you by FreshBooks. For your free, unrestricted 30-day trial of FreshBooks, visit freshbooks.com/sidehustlepro and enter "Side Hustle Pro" in the "How did you hear about us?" section. Hey guys, thanks for listening to Side Hustle Pro. If you want to hear more from me, head on over to sidehustlepro.co forward slash side hustle corner to get my weekly side hustle diaries chronicles about my own journey from passion project to profitable business. And if you want to find me online, I'm at side hustle pro on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Don't forget to join the side hustle pro Facebook community. Go to side hustle forward slash mastermind.